Sometimes we just need specific prompts or specific ideas to run with in order to spark our creativity. Sometimes we need these things to help us outside of our box so that we don't just gravitate to the same instruments doing the same things over and over and over again. And sometimes it's just helpful to do these things literally just as exercises to get better as specifically music writers in this case. So in this episode, we're going to be talking about the seven day song starter challenge that I'm going to give you, which basically is just over the next seven days, I'm going to give you seven different things, specific things of do this first for creating a song. We're going to walk through all seven of them. Let's talk about it. Hello, friend. Welcome to another episode of the Songwriter Theory Podcast. I am your host, as always, Joseph Adala. Today, we're talking about seven different ways to start writing a song over the next seven days, specifically. If you want a guide that will pair pretty well with this, is 10 ways to start writing a song. It takes a little bit different of an angle about teaching it, but it's a, around similar concepts. Um, it's at songwritertheory.com slash free guide. It will give you five ways from a lyrical standpoint to kind of start fleshing out a song and five ways from a musical standpoint. Today, we're going to be focusing more on the music side of things in this episode. So if you want more lyrical based stuff, make sure to check out that guide again, songwritertheory.com slash free guide link in the description slash show notes. Let's talk about Day one, which you can mix these up. You don't actually have to do them in order. But we've talked about modes recently, right? So if you haven't already, pick a mode and write something utilizing that mode. And before diving any deeper, actually, let me clarify what I mean by this. This is not one of those seven songs, seven days challenges type stuff. I have said historically, and I think I will always say, I might change my mind about this, but generally speaking, if you're writing lyrics and a single day, um, specifically if you're not a full-time songwriter, um, and therefore you're really only limited to at night after work, probably the lyrics aren't very good. They're probably extraordinarily average at best. They're probably garbage, but, um, and not because you're bad, right? Just because, a, a you know, four hours to write an entire song usually is not going to come out great especially lyrically. I think the music side is not really that hard, um, but the, the the lyric side would be brutal. So the goal of this challenge is not even to write a full music for, the, for a song. The goal is just to start a song, right? So that might mean, you know, a single riff, a single piece of a melody for a verse, right? This might be extraordinarily limited. The idea though is just to start. Okay. So I'm not saying write a whole song. It needs to be at least two minutes long, nothing like that. Just start. So pick a mode and write something intentionally vague there, something using that mode. Maybe you write most of your music in major keys and you want to go a little bit darker. You don't want to go minor though, but you want a little darker. Maybe do mixolydian mode. Or maybe Dorian, if you want it to be even closer to minor. Maybe you usually do minor, and you want to go even darker. Phrygian's your friend. Phrygian also sounds freaking awesome, so you should totally write something in Phrygian. I'm incredibly biased, but Phrygian is really cool, especially for, like, rock music. Um, maybe you usually use 
major, or, you know, maybe you usually use minor, and you want something really bright and heavenly sounding. Lydian. Go Lydian. Want a real challenge? Uh, Locrian. <laughs> because it's hard to make Locrian actually not sound like garbage. Or just not sound meh. Garbage might be a bit far. Uh, usually just Locrian is, it's just, like, it's not dark enough and interesting enough to actually be better than Lydian or Phrygian. I just said Lydian. I meant Phrygian. <laughs> uh, so L Locrian is just, uh, there's tons of YouTube videos about it. I don't want to waste time on it here. Basically just, there's a pretty common consensus about like Locrian is largely not very useful. There's not really a reason to use Locrian. It's kind of like uh, d uh diminished seventh chord. It's really not very useful. Um, same idea. Uh, but if you want a challenge, go Locrian. And to me, this can be one of the more helpful ways to start writing a song to come up with something that sounds significantly different than what you usually do. Cause it gives a whole different color, right? You're using a whole different set of paints, if you will, set of, uh, paint colors than you are with say just a major or minor key. Now, as we covered major and minor key, you know, those are the same as two of the seven modes of the major key, Ionian being major and Aeolian being minor. But if you want really just a totally different set of notes, essentially, or a totally different sound template, then using modes is a great way to go to be able to go a little more precise in how bright or dark uh, we want our song to sound besides just major or minor. It gives us more shades of gray, if you will. The next thing to try, um, again, doesn't necessarily have to be day two is creating a drum beat. And this is going to be easiest if you can create it in your DAW, if you have a DAW, if you do recording, DAW's Digital Audio Workstation, basically something like Reaper, which is free, um, or, you know, FL Studio, or Pro Tools, or any of those type things. If not, though, I've also recently talked about Musica.com with, it's spelled M-U-S-I-C, so music, and then another C, A.com, or drumbit as in drum and then a bit dot app. Um, you can use tools like that to create your drum beat literally just in browser and listen to it and start writing a song from there. So you don't even need to have recording software. You just need access to the internet. And <clears throat> start with a drum beat that is something that just get, brings that little smile to your face or maybe gives that darkness to your eye, whatever it is that gives you that little edge that makes you think, Ooh, okay, this is cool. This is something different. This is something that like, I want to build a song off of and it doesn't need to be complex, right? I'm not saying it needs to be a, you know, a, a drum beat that's intended to be a, a memorable starter, right? Like down with the sickness, for instance, for whatever reason is the song that comes to mind to me for like a memorable drum part that's recognizable. Right, because if I'm not mistaken, the song basically opens with just the drum riff. I think there's a little bit of guitar, but it's basically just doing nothing of note. It's really around that drum part at first, and it's very recognizable. I'm not saying it needs to be that, right? This might end up being a drum beat that's super simple, that literally is just something that inspires the rest of the sound of the song. And then when you have a drummer come in and actually record the drum part, it'd be completely different. So you're not trying to write a drum 
like a memorable drum beat that you're going to keep forever necessarily so much as you are trying to inspire yourself to writing a certain sound. So, you know, maybe you don't usually write funk. That's probably true of most of us. If you try a funk drum beat, which by the way, there are presets for funk in one of those two I gave. I don't remember which one. I want to say drum bit. Uh, Musica. I think Musica is the one with, maybe they both have funk. Or disco or heavy metal, house, hip hop, bossa nova. Those are all examples of ones they have built in. Um, you know, I've talked about this before. I, I personally, like catchy is not something that comes natural to me. I, I, I tend more towards the grandiose sounding. I tend more towards beauty than I do towards catchy. Um, that's just the way I operate. It tends to be the music I prefer. Um, but that doesn't mean I don't want to write catchy stuff. And at least for me, I find this by far the most helpful way to write catchy music. I think I mentioned this in a recent podcast, but I believe of, of the like four songs I would say I've written that I would generally qualify in the like catchy territory, uh, three of them, I started with a catchy drum loop and then improvised off of that. And that's how I wrote the song in a catchy way. It started with a drum, drum beat. Um, so, you know, you may or may not be in the same category as me with that. Maybe to you, that is what comes natural. And instead, a drum beat might help you slow it down and help you write something a little more memorable and emotive than you normally would do. Uh, or maybe, right, it will just help you write in a bit of a different style. You've been doing more traditional EDM type stuff, but then you want a disco vibe. But you don't really know how to get a disco vibe until you're listening to a disco drum loop. Then you absolutely can. And, you know, I mentioned this before. It might be that even though we, we've all heard jazz, right? We recognize jazz when we see it. But that doesn't mean we really have it in our fingers, if you will, in our muscle memory. It might not be something we can really just create off the top of our heads. Great way to do it, though, is when you're listening to a jazz drum beat. Because the beauty of a drum beat is it locks you in to the style of that drum beat. You're just, you're just not going to improvise you know, a funk song on top of a heavy metal beat. You're just not going to do it. <laughs> I mean, maybe you, you almost definitely won't do it. So creating a drum beat can be really helpful to forcing yourself in a certain musical direction. So just create a drum beat that will take you in a direction that you think you might want one of your songs to go in. Day three, write a melody first. So, I think the easiest way to write a melody first is to have a drone of the tonic of the key that you're doing it in. So tonic, again, is just the first. So let's say you want, <clears throat> at least initially, you want to write the melody in the key of C major. Um, no, let's do D major today <laughs> because it makes such a huge difference. Um, so let's say you want it to be in D major. And again, you know, later if you find that the the melody doesn't really work with your voice and you need to bring it up to, you know, F sharp major or you have to bring it down to B flat major or something, that's fine, right? You don't have to write it in the key that it eventually gets written as, right? You can change keys. It's not that hard. So, so don't worry about that part. Um, but have a drone, which what a drone is really is just one sustained note that just stays forever, right? So the easy way to do this is especially if you have a pad synth sound with your recording software, literally just the tonic. So we're in D major, D. Just have a D that's held out forever. 
a way to do this, if you don't have access to that, is you can just do, say on a piano, you just keep hitting the D note over and over again with your left hand and then your right hand. That's where we're going to improvise the melody. Uh, which is, by the way, exactly what I did uh, for all the examples in the in the um, modes podcast. Uh, whatever the tonic was, was just that over and over again in the left hand to keep it simple. Um, so do that. And then improvise the melody on top of that. And keep improvising melodies. And it can be with an instrument, right? Whatever instrument you're best at, I would recommend. Specifically, whatever instrument you're best at with melodies, right? So let's say you're a pretty good guitar player, but you feel that you come up with better melodies when you're singing, improvising, than than guitar solos, essentially. Uh, In that case, maybe sing it. If you feel that you're best playing melody with piano than guitar, maybe you're a better guitarist, but you still feel like melodically you're better at the piano, go with the piano. Whatever it is, write the melody first. The reason for the tonic is to give you an idea, the context of the key the whole time, right? So if we have D drone the whole time, the context of, hey, this is in the key of D, you know, it it could be minor or major. It technically could be a whole mode, um, but it at least gives you the, here's the tonic, here's the tonic reminder. Uh, to build the rest of the melody off of. But also, you don't have chords to influence the melody. So the idea of this one is, we've talked about how songwriting is a funnel. Right now, you're writing the melody first. So it is unlimited, as long as the tonic of what you're writing in is, in this case, D. Right? I mean, you literally could decide, you know what, I'm doing Phrygian mode instead. Doesn't matter, right? You don't you don't have chords to dictate the way the melody your melody goes. The idea is that later you will come up with the chords based off of the melody, rather than the other way around. Which, frankly, I think is generally a better way to go. Uh, if we're just talking chords and melody specifically, I think it changes if you have a riff or a hook or something. Then I think the equation changes, which we'll get into in a little bit. But um, Generally speaking, if you have to just choose straight up guitar strummed chord progression, like basic chord progression or melody, melody always for, is more important. Um, so to me, this is the easiest or one of the easiest ways to write an absolutely killer melody. Why? You have no limits. Your only limit is, is in some key of D. Otherwise, totally unlimited. You're not constrained by, oh, well, this note doesn't work with the chord that I have there. Nope, none of that matters. You're just writing a killer melody. You can figure out the chords off of the melody later. Day four, number four. Start with some different sound. That might be a synth or a pad sound, right? Maybe bells or chimes. I talked in an episode recently about how I found a free VST um, for for a music box, right? Because it has kind of a creepy, olden feel to it, and I hadn't really heard it in many songs. Uh, Actually, an NF song has it, which I thought was really cool. I think that might have been what inspired me to do that. I don't remember. Um, But, you know, find a different sound and improvise with that. Start with that. It could even be something that's a simple drone, right? Maybe go find a recording of of a crowd shouting... Uh, you know, maybe at a football game, right? Sounds like a gladiator arena or something or ocean waves or a storm, right? Those are kind of stereotypical, but Hey, they still work, right? Or maybe, uh, a campfire, right? A fire burning, 
maybe, you know, the night sounds at a lake with a, a loon in the distance, right? And just get, get that recording and start from there. Decide to write a song off of that, right? Because it sets a vibe, right? There's just a different vibe between, you know, gladiator people shouting and ocean waves and a loon at a lake at night, right? Those all have very different vibes, which will inspire your song in different directions. And specifically with different sounds with the instruments, right? That, that, that is a, just a great way to keep creating fresh and exciting stuff, right? If you start, you know, usually you start with guitar or piano. That's your go-to. That would be pretty common, right? And then you decide, you know what? I'm going to open this with a synth. I'm going to find some interesting synth sound, some interesting bell sound, maybe an arpeggiator. And I'm going to start the song from that standpoint. Find something you like, find a sound you like, and then go from there. And again, recording software is going to be most helpful for this. A lot of these are going to have built in for free, some of these, uh, some form of synth for sure. Um, but if you don't, even from there, right, tr trying something different with, the, with your guitar pedals. Uh, if you have a keyboard, maybe using that string setting that you never use or, or the, uh, uh, <laughs> what's it called? That, that one, why am I forgetting the name of that instrument? Harpsichord. There we go. <laughs> that harpsichord setting you never use. Time to get that out, right? It will inspire you differently. So start with a, a different sound, day four. Number five, day five. This is one of my favorites. Write a bass line first. And I think a lot of people get confused by this and assume that what I mean is you have to actually have a bass. You do not. You can use a keyboard, you can use a guitar, or you can use a bass. In fact, I almost always write my bass lines on the piano. Even if they literally end up being the bass guitar line, I absolutely write them at a keyboard or piano uh, because I'm better at the piano. Uh, and it, I just find it easier. So you can always build chords off of the bass line, right? So uh, sort of at the heart of this idea, because a lot of people like to start with chords. And I like to encourage people not to, because the short version of it is that songwriting is a funnel, uh, which means every artistic Every creative decision you make limits the next creative decisions you have to make. Therefore, when you have the most creative room, which is earlier in the process, you should use that creative room on the parts where it matters, like melody or hooks, right? Whether that's a piano riff or a guitar hook or whatever it is. Those are the things that I think are worth that creative room. Because people will love or hate a song based on melody. I don't think anyone in the history of ever has liked a chord because a song because of the chord progression. That is definitely hyperbole, but you know what I'm saying, right? By and large, people don't even notice chord progression. It's very much a supplementary role. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's like a movie, right? Getting the casting of your main character correct is way more important than that random side character, right? Get the main character and the, and the villain, the protagonist and the antagonist right, first and foremost. The rest doesn't matter as much. So, so I find this as a better alternative to chords first because you can sort of see it as essentially you're writing the quote-unquote chord progression melody uh, 
Um, and what I mean by chord progression melody is it's not the melody, right? It's not the vocal melody. But instead what you're writing is your because because if you think about it, the way a bass line integrates with the rest of the chords, effectively it is a melody of the chord progression. Right? Because that bass line sticks out because it's the lowest part generally. And it recontextualizes all the chords into their, you know, whatever inversion it might end up being. And at that point, that bass line is the star of the quote-unquote chord progression show. And even more, you don't care about the chord progression. Everybody knows the bass line, right? You could probably tell me that Don't Stop Believing bass line. You could hum that. I don't know that you know the chord progression. And that actually has a – it's not really a memorable chord progression per se, but the way it's played, it's sort of an emphasized part. Um, or, you know, Seven Nation Army, which technically is not a bass. It's a guitar that's tuned down, whatever. Um, but it's basically a bass line, right? Uh, what <laughs> chords? I mean, I, I don't even think that song has chords technically. I think it literally is just that bass line. If I'm from, I don't know. I don't know that song well enough to say. Um, I just know it annoys me because every Ohio State game, they play it like a billion times in the, the band and it drives me crazy. But anyway, um, the point is <laughs> that effectively the baseline is sort of the melody of the chord progression and the melody of the chord progression is more important than the chord progression itself and that's a great way to spice up a chord progression so that the chord progression can be interesting even with basic chords on top of it so then all you do from there is the way that you can figure out the some of the right chords you can use with melodies you can do the same thing with the baseline right so you can go from baseline to figuring out, okay, what chords need to work with this baseline. And then you're still writing the more important part first. Because again, people aren't really gonna notice the chords, but they might and probably will notice a cool baseline. So write that cool baseline first and then build the chords off of that. Day six. Write a chord progression with a specific non-major or minor triad goal. So that could be going out of your way to involve sus chords in your chord progression or going out of your way to ha use some seventh chords, maybe going out of your way to use dyads instead of triads. I think I had a whole episode on why we should show more love to dyads, which is basically the same as power chords um, in that dyads have two, two different tones. A triad has three, right? Um, so going out of your way to use dyads, which leaves a little more creative room when it comes to melodies. You can do more melodically without it sounding wonky or off, which is part of the beauty of dyads. Going out of your way to maintain a pedal tone through chord progressions. Basically what a pedal tone is, is when you have one note that stays the same. So let's say, we'll stick with D major. Let's say you have a D major chord, your chord progression is D major, A major, B major, uh, back to A major, sure. So it's basically a one, four, five, four. Uh, pretty common chord progression, right? But through all that, if you have a C note that stays the same, maybe it's in the bass, right? Maybe the bass stays on C that whole time. Even though the chords on top of it are changing, you're keeping that C note to really drive home C, C, C. Actually, why did I say C? C is a terrible idea. I don't mean C. I mean D. <laughs> I forgot that we're talking about the key of D major. 
definitely don't do C in the context of D major because D major has a C sharp. So that's what a pedal tone is, right? It's really just emphasizing one note that sort of stays the same even when everything else around it changes. It's a little more to it than that, but that's basically all it is. So are you going out of your way to, you know, let, let's go to C major since apparently I implicitly wanted to go to C major again because I'm so used to giving those as examples. So in that case, right, maybe you, in your left hand, you're staying on Cs and then your right hand, you're doing like a C chord and then a G chord. And then, uh, you know, maybe, maybe you do a, a G add two chord, G sus two, uh, or G add two. Let's, let's say G sus two. I don't know. It doesn't really matter. It's all made up. Right. But the idea is that you are specifically trying to at least jazz up your chord progression beyond just major and minor triads. And that can also involve explicitly making use of certain inversions that you want to use, right? Making sure to have maybe, you know, let's use C major again, but for certain C major chords, you actually put an E in the bass, which means that effectively you're doing first inversion C major chord, which is going to have a bit of a different sound than a regular C major chord, right? That's sometimes where bass lines come in, really, is bass lines often because... The lowest note is what determines the inversion of a chord. So if you do have a C, C major slash E chord, which basically means everybody's playing a C major chord, but by the way, bass guitarist, you play an E, all that really is is a first inversion C chord, C major chord. Um, but that changes the sound of it. The bass choosing to play the E instead of the C gives it a different sound. So that could be another thing that you just go out of your way to decide to do. So I find this is a great way to have more interesting chord progressions and also just to get better at writing and using different chords and breaking out of like just triads and major triad and minor triad and that's it. Great way to break out of that. Last one. Number seven. I'm going to grab a drink of water real fast because my voice is dying. <clears throat> Oof. All right, that's a little better. Write a non-vocal hook. This is my personal favorite, so I saved it for last. So it can be either piano or guitar or really just any non-bass or drum instrument. Um, and you're writing a hook, and it's not a vocal one. And a lot of times this will often be a part of your intro to the song, or a lot of times it will be the the main riff, if you will, of the verse, right? That your melody, your vocal melody will be over. And it, usually in that context, it operates as the second interesting part, right? The hook that is beneath your vocal. This is, again, my personal favorite methodology. For me, when taking all things considered when it comes to how songwriting is a funnel... I find for me, this is the best way to get a both a killer melody and a killer piano riff that's interesting is this methodology. I write a cool piano riff, and from there, the piano riff usually leaves enough room for me to write a really interesting melody, and then from there, I figure out the rest of the song. Because to me, if, if the piano riff or guitar riff, right, guitar hook, whatever it is, most of the time for me is piano, but... Uh, regardless, if that part is cool and interesting and hooks people and they're like, ooh, that's a cool piano part, 
and also the melody is good. And then, of course, with my six-step lyric writing checklist, I make sure that the lyrics are always killer. The song's basically set. Not that the rest doesn't matter, but the rest is much less relevant than those three pieces. So I find that that's the best way to have a killer hook and a killer melody, is specifically going in that order of you start with the hook. Because frankly, writing a hook out of nowhere is much easier than writing a hook underneath a melody. But also, when you write a hook first, with just a single piano hook or guitar hook, I find it's still, like, you still have so many options melodically that you're not really constrained much. Therefore, you can still write a killer melody with just the riff. Once you start introducing full chords and really start fleshing out, it starts limiting you more and more. But if you just write the riff first and then melody after that, I personally think that's the best way to have the best of both worlds. Extra little tip here. I tend to write piano riffs in a way that my left hand is effectively playing a bass line, which may or may not be reflected by the actual bass. Um, a lot of times it is. That is a great way to make sure you get all three things, because then you have a bass line, which is sort of a hook that people actually notice and care about, unlike a chord progression, built into the piano part. And then you also have the piano hook, which is memorable, and you still have huge creative room to write a killer melody. So <clears throat> there are your seven days. Hopefully this was helpful to you. Again, if it was a great, com a great companion guide as you're going through these seven days is to pick up my 10 ways to start writing a song free guide. It's a songwritertheory.com slash free guide. Link will be in the description and, and or show notes, whatever it's called on your platform um, as usual, but it's just songwritertheory.com slash free guide should be easy to remember. I appreciate all of you for listening. Thank you to all of you who have been leaving reviews recently. I've noticed reviews have, have picked up again uh, for a while. It was like one a week or something. I think it's been like two or three a week lately, which is awesome. I really appreciate that. So if you do enjoy this podcast, be sure to leave a five-star review so other people know, hey, this is a good place to learn about songwriting. Um, and if you feel it doesn't deserve five stars, feel free to shoot me an email and let me know how you I can earn five stars from you. Um, cause I, I want to serve you as best I can. I want to teach you as best I can. I want to teach you the things you need to know. Um, so be sure to let me know. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate all of you. I hope you have a great week. Uh, and hopefully I will see you in, uh, some YouTube videos this week, but if not, and if you only, only are here for the podcast, uh, <laughs> then I will talk to you next week. <laughs>